Welcome to Ember Weekend, a weekly podcast put on by me, Chase McCarthy, and... Oh, and me, John. That was a nice uh, nice segue. Uh, I am John Jackson, and yeah, Ember, Ember Weekend stuff. I'm excited. This is episode 63, and uh, we are broadcasting out of the Hash Rocket office. Once again, I have a lovely view of the beach, and Chase does not. I, I, can, see the, I can see the water. Yeah, well, I'm, you know, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Uh, and uh, yeah, and today's episode is called Today I Learned. So the first thing we're going to talk about is a uh, project that Jonathan's been working on to expose a hash, an internal hash rocket project called TIL that we've talked about a couple of times before. John, you want to talk about that? Yeah, originally, uh, just to talk to talk about uh, TIL real fast, uh, we uh, we had a a podcast on this, uh, an Ember Weekend podcast on this a while ago called uh, Hijacking TIL for Fun and Profit. And in it, we use uh, we use it as a backend, and we actually um, were using that as our blog. Uh, so for the for the Ember Weekend site, and it was pretty fun. Uh, and it's been a great source of inspiration for me personally because of the participation uh, of uh, most of the Rocketeers. So we decided to uh, kind of channel some of my excitement around progressive web apps uh, and um, build out a little reader thing that is available offline kind of really see where the rough edges are with um, with some of the progressive web apps uh, if you want to support like everything. Because uh, right now, it's kind of in a weird fractured state because Chrome and Firefox are pushing service workers so heavily and it's like basically entirely implemented in, all, in both of those. But Safari doesn't implement it at all. So if you want it to be widely available, you really have to think about how you're going to do that. And that usually involves having an app cache fallback, which was a topic of uh, concern at the EmberConf keynote. Yeah, here app cache is not that easy to to deal with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is a uh, there's a really great blog post by Jake Archibald who has actually uh, had some of the best uh, material out there for progressive web apps. That maybe we'll, we'll definitely link to that app cache uh, article. And uh, yeah, so app cache is kind of uh, it's kind of uh, it's a little rough or a little rough around the edges. Uh, learning uh, learning about it has been uh, kind of challenging, but uh, there is enough information out there. And uh, now that I look back uh, after kind of learning my own gotchas and and kind of where the rough edges is for me, uh, it's uh, it's been it's been not that bad. Like I think in the next project I do, it would be much easier to bring in. So it kind of gets it's one of those things that gets a little bit easier with with a little bit of practice, as long as uh, the the app is thought of offline first. Because if it's not, I think you run into these like situations where like retrofitting for offline would probably like some of the interactions probably won't work. Um, yeah. So anyways, uh, I'm going to be working on a, probably a series of blog posts, at least one blog post describing the process, uh, that I, uh, I use to kind of like arrive here, but there is a, uh, an open source repo at Ember weekend, uh, slash tilts on GitHub. And, uh, it basically uses a uh, service worker to cache the assets using John Kleinschmidt's Broccoli Service Worker plugin, which is amazing. Uh, and then it also uses uh, another John Kleinschmidt add-on called Broccoli Manifest to fall back. And a lot of this stuff is taken pretty much straight from Hospital Run, uh, which is uh, the company that he works for, uh, for, for solving uh, problems were coming kind of from there, like spe- specifically with the Manifest and the Service Worker uh, configuration stuff. Uh, it's been really fun. Uh, as soon as I decided that I wanted to support mobile Safari though, everything became much more complicated. So service worker is such a good API. Uh, I just can't believe how easy it was to do. So I wrote, I ended up writing one line of code to take my entire, and, and including an add-on. So it was actually two lines of code uh, to get my app to run offline 
with no changes to my Ember code. So it still used find all, which still did a request to the backend. And the one line I added was just to say, okay, well, when you're online, cache that response. And then uh, when you're offline, service worker just by default, uh, well, when you add this line, uh, it'll it'll look for the cache of the network. Um, so it was it was just super easy. And then as soon as I wanted to go to mobile Safari, I had to rethink everything. So I had to start thinking about how to store data offline that's dynamic and ended up using uh, Ember Local Forge Adapter. So it's, I don't know, it was, it was, a, it was a lot to it. So um, yeah, look forward to, I'm looking forward to writing that blog post uh, and we'll definitely mention it in the future. Um, it, uh, it was really, it was really fun. It was really challenging at times, uh, but uh, really great. And there's still a lot more to do on it and, uh, and around it to make better, more rich user interactions, specifically with uh, home screen icons and splash screens, which I have all the art for. And, uh, and some other things that will just make the experience better. And now that Chase is on a uh, on an iPhone instead of a Droid, finally after years and years and years, uh, it's going to be so much easier to uh, to get him to test things for me. Yeah, but if I would have started a Droid, uh, things would just work because Service Worker. It's true. That's uh, that's actually true. I actually can't even argue that. Oh, and iMessage is coming to Droid too. So I mean, there's there's a there's a there's a light at the end of the tunnel for the for the Droid users too. Because that that was always my big complaint is SMS is just yeah no good. But anyways, uh, yeah, look forward to a blog post. Uh, I'll be working on that soon. And uh, until then, go take a look at the uh, the commits, the commit history. Uh, I tried to keep it uh, relatively straightforward. Um, it's obviously kind of like rough shot attempt because this is kind of like the first pass at like trying to get a, um, a widely available offline app like Progressive Web App uh, ready. So there's still work to be done and it's rough, but uh, it'll give you a good idea of where to start and how to do uh, some of the basic stuff. So last week we spent some time talking about Ember Change Set, which is an add-on by Lauren Tan. Uh, there was also it was also mentioned that there's an add-on called Ember Buffered Proxy that's written by Yap Labs, um, and we were also made aware afterward of another add-on called Ember Time Machine, which does something similar but has a really cool kind of effect. So what Ember Time Machine does is it's it's change tracking, but it actually writes to the underlying object but then it keeps a undo history and redo history of that. So basically, um, it's kind of like an object proxy that wraps an underlying object. The changes will go through to that object, but at any time you can you can see if there's undo history and then trigger an undo, and it will roll all those changes back in order. And that's really great. It does a whole bunch of like pooling of those changes. So this add-on is by Offer Golan. Uh, I hope I'm saying that right. The demo is amazing. Uh, check that out. Um, it's at his GitHub page uh, slash Ember Time Machine. Uh, we'll link that in the show notes. Um, and it's really cool. It's like it seems like a normal to do app. Um, so you're like checking little to dos off, adding new ones, creating them, even changing filters. Uh, but if you look down in the bottom right, it's kind of hidden and you can easily miss how cool this feature is. There's a little undo arrow. When you click that, you'll get some more options that are like undo all or redo all. And as you click those, you can see that like everything you've done on the page has been put into an undo redo stack. Yeah, I actually I think that uh, that's the thing that was most striking to me is just the the quality of the demo is so so uh, compelling. Um, being able to click all the things and then globally revert all the way back to the last save point, that sort of thing. It's uh, it's really cool. We'll definitely link to that. Um, overall, I think this is a really cool approach. Uh, I'd like to see maybe dive into the internals at some point and see kind of the underlying mechanism that he that's, that he's using to to track these changes, um, just to see if it's kind of like uh, some sort of like Redux style reducer change thing, or if it's uh, using a, a, a different type type of approach. But it'd be very interesting to see how that uh, 
how that actually gets managed. Um, but yeah, the demo was just absolutely amazing. Um, super fun to, to click around in. And like, I found myself kind of just like playing around with it for a little while. Uh, and that's, that's always really cool. So I really, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. And it's uh it's actually a relatively thin layer. So you may want to use it to actually change the underlying object, but if you wanted to use it with something like buffered proxy or with change set, um, then basically you can, you know, make that initial copy. So you're not actually changing the model, but then this undo would only work on the one that you're messing with. So if you start making changes and you're like, Oh, you know what? I didn't really mean to do that. You could undo parts of the changes you've made instead of like losing all of them. So you can definitely use this in, in conjunction with other uh, types of like uh, object proxies. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. That would be really cool, especially like multi-platforms, which I feel like most of these things are really like just prime real estate for dealing with multi-platforms, specifically uh, Ember change set. So yeah, definitely, uh, definitely a thing that, uh, you should, you should look around for, um, when you're dealing with, uh, like some complex forms. So just a couple of days ago, uh, Brian Sipple released a blog post called, um, at emberup.com, uh, called, uh, Ember add-on secrets. And, uh, it, it talks a, a very in-depth about how to approach some of the more nuanced ways to create add-ons and, and mess with add-ons. It's, uh, it's very, very interesting. Yeah, the thing that surprised me about this blog post was just how how um, how broad it is, how much how much stuff it covers, and things you wouldn't really normally think about when authoring an add-on. Um, things like how to have a good description in your package JSON links out to some other articles that were written about this. Um, you know, it goes into Travis CI setup and how to do it with Chrome rather than Phantom JS, uh, which is something uh, he he mentioned something that RWJ Blue said a little while ago about that about. Um, none of your users are using Phantom, so you should probably be testing in Chrome. Um, there's a little bit of setup still involved with that, and so he goes uh, into how to do that. Um, there's a whole section on badges and how to get you know just a whole bunch of different badges set up on your um, GitHub repo. There's a section on how to include styles in your add-on and like what the right way to do this is. You would have had to be in the Ember community for a long time to get exposed to all of these, um, and he kind of just kind of pools them together in this simple blog post, and uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's really it's really in depth. I really like uh, I really like the that it's not just like this the surface thing that you normally experience with uh, some add-on posts. I, I mean, any any information is really great uh, for developing add-ons, but it's not like a tutorial. It's more like, hey, here's some things that you need to know about um, just to to have some context, some great some greater context. So I really really enjoy uh, that that style. Um, so this is really cool. This is a really cool blog post. Yeah, and it uh, it goes on to talk about things like more advanced things like fast boot. Um, how to create blueprints, um, and then development stuff like how to link add-ons um, in your local environment so you can test them out in a project, um, linking them with NPM. Um, and then things like how to set up the dummy app and how to work with that. Uh, and then last, talked about uh, publishing and release management using, I think, uh, Ember release. So yeah, check out the, the blog post. Um, it's pretty fresh. So um, there's definitely a lot of up-to-date information on this. Yeah, and it's great. I mean, the, the add-on story is like one of the the crown jewels of you know ember it's one of the things that makes it really very different than other ecosystems so uh learning about add-ons and how to develop them and like basically not be afraid of them i, f I feel like uh recently i was uh, i was helping somebody work on a on a on a on their first ember app and they want to do something kind of simple and i just immediately reached for an in repo add-on uh just to you know like import a uh, prototype extension i want to say and uh, I just need to do that. Uh, but I think that uh, he found himself floundering a little bit around like how to do this, what's the best way. Cause there's about four ways you could do that. There's a bunch of different ways you can do it. Um, but yeah, knowing to be able to, knowing that there's this whole mechanism for you to have really fine grain control over the build tooling 
but then have on top of that have really sensible defaults so that you can pull in add-ons uh, it's really a great thing that really distinguishes ember so uh, yeah so learning more about it especially like uh, kind of this uh, this more like in-depth kind of learn learn about how you know like the, the background the contextual information uh it can really you know help you really lean into the strength of ember so um so yeah definitely check this blog post out and uh, and don't be afraid of add-ons they're awesome and that's all we have today stay tuned for next week when uh, i'm sure we're gonna be talking about some some til or maybe some maybe some postgres yeah something Ho- hopefully there will be a blog post and yeah we got the pg cast to to mention also the way you said that it sounded a lot like the uh the Batman next up kind of uh, thing. Like next time we'll join our heroes doing X, Y, Z. It was pretty good. I liked it. I liked it. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, I'm Jonathan Jackson. Once again, uh, I'm here with Chase McCarthy and, uh, you can, uh, you can always, uh, reach out to us on Twitter at Ember weekend. Uh, we really, really like, uh, any feedback. So if you guys have, uh, any questions or concerns, uh, just ping us there. We are, uh, we are always available. Yeah, and as we mentioned, we have uh, some open source repos under Ember Weekend's GitHub page. Uh, so you know, we're always looking for feedback, especially if you like have any uh, experience with AppCache or Service Worker and you want to take a look at the code and you know file some issues or create a PR, uh, feel free. And as always, you can follow us in your uh, podcast reader of choice by uh, adding our RSS feed at emberweekend.com slash feed.xml. Uh, And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. See you next weekend.